You're listening to the Sped Prep Academy podcast. Your host, Jennifer Hofferberg, is an award-winning veteran special educator who shares her experience, knowledge, and passion to help other special educators survive and thrive in this profession. Join her and other guests as they share tips and tricks of the trade for the ever-crazy, completely overwhelming, laugh-so-you-don't-cry profession of being a special education teacher. Hey there, welcome back to the Sped Prep Academy podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer, and this podcast was created to guide special educators in their journey to become amazing teachers. My goal is to provide you with the support and training you need to become a highly successful, highly effective special educator. If special education is your calling and you are in this for the long haul, then this is the place to be, and I'm going to be right by your side helping you learn everything you can about being a great special educator and how to become a stronger leader for your staff. Whether you are just starting out in this field and are struggling with how to supervise and train your staff, or if you've been working in your position for a while and need advice on how to begin building your department into a true team, I can help. I've developed a 10-step guide to begin creating a team culture with your staff, and you can get it for free at www.spedprepacademy.com team. It includes 10 easy-to-implement steps that will help you learn how to build the team that you've always dreamed of having, and I can speak from experience when I say that these 10 steps completely transformed my leadership abilities just a few short years ago. I went from feeling frustrated, burned out, and resentful because of things like my parents coming to school late, being on their phones all the time, not being where they're scheduled to be, or just constantly bickering with each other, to being highly confident in my leadership skills, knowing how to clearly communicate with my staff, and building relationships that aided in high retention rates and happy Paris. And I want all of that for you as well. So again, just go to www.spedprepacademy.com slash team and get access to these free steps for free. So this is the first episode of 2022, and I don't know about you, but I'm feeling good. I feel like I've had a very restful break as far as being a teacher goes, and now I'm ready to jump into this new year of teaching with the motivation and the initiative I need to finish out another school year strong. I've always loved the thought of a new year, another chance to take a deep breath, reflect on the previous semester, and to make preparations to start fresh. I put away all of my Christmas decorations on January 1st, and I clean and organize like a crazy person because I feel the need to just have everything situated in my outside life so I can feel organized and refreshed on the inside of this crazy little brain of mine. Surely you know that feeling you get when things are clean and they smell good and they're organized and everything has its own place, and that's the feeling I get with a new year. And I hope that this can happen for you too, because I want you to come back from your time off recharged, refreshed, and ready to make some intentional decisions that will improve the relationships and team culture with your staff. So on today's episode, I want to share with you four quick wins that you can use to set your staff up for success during this new year as well. The first thing that you can do to set your staff up for success is to get to know them. Bottom line, just get to know them as a person, as a teammate, as a human being, and that includes getting to know their strengths and their weaknesses. And one way you can do this outside of sitting and watching them all day, which no one has time to do, is to do a strengths and weaknesses survey. I actually have a survey I call a preference survey that I use, and I'll link it in the show notes so that you can see what I'm talking about. But basically, it just asks them some basic questions that will help you get to know them as a person, their likes, their dislikes, etc. And you can use this information to provide them with tokens of appreciation, but it also gets into the actual job aspect. And it asks specific questions like, do you prefer to work one-on-one with students? Do you prefer to work with students who have significant needs? Or do you prefer working with students who are learning disabled? 
It asks, do you like to support students within the inclusion setting or do you prefer pullout settings? Do you prefer going out to recess or doing bus duty, etc., etc., etc.? Now, I'm sure it sounds like I'm providing them with a whole bunch of different options of what they can choose to do during the workday. And that's not what this is. Their choices are not going to be the only things that they do during a school day, because I know that you have a crap ton of things for them to do within the day. And I understand that everyone can't be picky about their job description. But using a survey like the one I use will come in very handy and it can be used in a variety of settings. If you have a larger staff like myself, we have seven paraprofessionals and two teachers, and so we all kind of get to do the things that we prefer to do during the day. I like to teach math, and my co-teacher likes reading better, so that works out for us. For our paras, we have one who loves to go to PE with the students and be active with them, while others prefer not to step foot in a gym. We have some that don't mind bathroom duty and others who don't have any bathroom duties on their schedule at all. We know the paras who are better with certain students with behavior needs, so we assign them to those students. We have some paras who like to do inclusion, where they are supported by the general education teacher and don't have to follow any specific lesson plans or behavior plans, and then we have others who enjoy doing that. So it's all about balance, and when you have a large staff like this, you are able to use the survey to figure out their strengths and weaknesses and preferences so that you are able to better work those into the schedule. On the other hand, if you have a small staff, if you have one para or two maybe, then you are going to have to be a little more creative and a lot more understanding because those paras still have their strengths and weaknesses and preferences. It's just that when there aren't as many bodies, then there aren't as many opportunities for you to assign preference areas. But there is a bright side to still doing a preference survey with them. You're still able to figure out their strengths and weaknesses. And once you know, for example, that they don't like to work with students in a small group setting and would prefer one-on-one, but you have to have them working with that small group. And when you know this information, then you're able to support them through it. You're able to give them more individualized training that we're going to talk about later. And you're able to assist them with tips and tricks of how to work with multiple students at once. And at the very least, now you know and can support them by letting them know the lines of communication are open and you are acknowledging their fears. So check out that paraprofessional preference survey so that you can get to know your staff on a deeper level. It is editable so that you can change up any questions that you want to. I've been using it for four years now, and I cannot tell you how many times I've gone back to the results when making schedule changes and choosing training needs. The second thing is to communicate your expectations. Now, I know I harp on this a lot, and the reason I do is because it is so stinking important. But hear me out. Your parents don't know what they don't know. They don't know that you want things done in a certain way unless you tell them. They don't know what you expect of them unless you explicitly tell them. And if you don't intentionally tell them, it's really not fair for you to get upset or butthurt when things don't go as planned. And because of that, it will make your job so much easier. So what I'm talking about is providing your paraprofessionals with a list. A hard, physical copy of a list of your 10 to 15 different things that you expect from your staff. These will be your non-negotiables. These are the things that you do not want to bend on. You do not want to open these things up for discussion or leave them open for misinterpretation. And so by putting it on paper, you're letting them know that these things are the most important to you. These are the things that you are doing yourself because you would never, I hope, ask a para to do something that you're not willing to do yourself. So say one of your non-negotiables is to ask your staff to stay out of the workroom or lounge area as much as possible in order to limit the availability of them gossiping about a child. And then you are seen or heard in the workroom talking about or complaining about a child. 
then you just blew your whole argument. So don't ever expect a paraprofessional to do something or to follow through with something that you aren't willing to do yourself. They need to see that you are also a team player. And so if you're asking them to be on time on a daily basis, but you're pulling in well after your contract duty time, then you are modeling and communicating that it's okay to be late. And your staff will do one of two things. They will follow in your footsteps by being late more and more often, or they will do something even more harmful to your department and program, and that is to harbor negative feelings towards you. When this starts to happen, it won't be long until there is no trust in your ability to lead. Your staff won't listen to you, they will gossip behind your back, and you will not be respected. And it's a valid point. If you are breaking your own expectations, you're being a hypocrite. So with my expectations, I just flat lay it out there. I have things on there like, I expect you to be on time. I'm on time every day and I expect you to be on time. Now, does that mean that I'm going to treat someone badly when they come in late on occasion? Absolutely not. I'm not going to make them feel bad when they're having a really bad morning and can't get to work on time. But the expectation has been set and it has been communicated. I expect you to be on time. And so it really just becomes a non-issue. Another one I have is I expect you to be where you're scheduled to be at all times. I follow my schedule every day and I need you to follow your schedules. All of the expectations that I have on my list are just very basic statements about how things are going to operate within the classroom. And so I list them out. I actually have the ones I use available within my TPT store and I'll link that product if you don't want to try to come up with your own. And it is editable if you want to use the majority of mine and just tweak a few here and there to fit your needs. But it is typed up and there's a box beside each expectation and I just have the pair initial each one as I read them aloud. I have them do this so that I know that they've heard them and I know that they understand them. And when you have this in place, my goodness gracious, you have so much teeth. You can now hold them accountable for You can now hold them accountable to live up to them and to carry them out on a daily basis. It's going to make the world of difference and save you so much time because finding time to discuss things throughout a school day without sounding judgy, without sounding crabby, without taking time away from students, that's hard. So when you set your expectations up right from the beginning and then things arise, then all you have to do is remind them. Remember, the expectation is dot, dot, dot. And you don't have to have a big, long explanation of why you want things done in a certain way. You've already communicated that. Or you don't have to have an argument or a conversation about it. All you have to do is remind them of the expectation. And you can easily go back to them when something comes up and say, hey, the expectation is, or at the beginning of the year we talked about, and it is an expectation that I need you to do. It makes it so much easier to have those difficult conversations, those courageous conversations, because it is now a moot point. You have their signature right there in their handbook. You know that you told them, they know that you told them, and so they're going to comply again once it's brought back to their attention. So if you set up your expectations and they are reasonable and you follow them yourself, then the paras will follow them as well. The third thing that you can do in the new year to set your staff up for success is to provide individualized training. I told you we're going to come back to this one. So what this looks like is, well, let me explain with an analogy. How many times have you been to a professional development training for your district or your building that does not apply to you? I'm guessing a lot. But you have to sit there anyway and learn even though it doesn't apply to you. Or how about this situation? You have a faculty meeting and they want to talk to the teachers about how several teachers aren't turning grades in on time and they're harping on how important it is to get your grades put in, yada, yada, yada but you don't even turn in grades for your students or 
Better yet, you were one of the ones who did get your grades turned in on time. So instead of discussing the issue with the teachers who failed to get their stuff done, the whole building is lectured. Or what if you had to attend a training on something you already know how to do very well? Like when I have to attend back-to-school trainings with all the brand new teachers, but I've been doing this job for 27 years, so most of what is said doesn't apply to me. Big pet peeve of mine. I truly want to learn new things, but I want my professional development to be individualized to me and to my needs. And so the same thing goes for your paras. Sitting in while you are teaching another para about something that they are strong in, you're just wasting time. You're wasting their time, you're wasting your own time, you're wasting students' time. So get specific about what each one of your paraprofessionals needs and use the preference survey to dig into what each para struggles with. You can also collect data on their needs from their evaluations. I'm not going to get into an argument of whether or not you should or shouldn't be evaluating your paras because I'm not going to budge on this topic. I totally feel you should be evaluating your paras if they are working in your department under your supervision and with the students you have on caseload. Then you should have the opportunity to evaluate them. And I'm not talking formally. I'm not talking about something that's going to go into their permanent file. I'm not talking about using the information as a basis for firing someone. I'm talking about an informal evaluation of their performance in your classroom or within the classrooms they provide inclusion for. You don't even have to call it an evaluation. You can call it a performance review or, or whatever you want. Just do it. Because you need that data to be able to know what your pairs are doing well and what areas they're struggling in and where your pairs have significant weaknesses so that you can provide individualized training to them. Now, I know what you might be thinking, and I get asked this all the time. How do I find the time to provide training to my staff? I don't have time during the day. And here's my answer. Make time. Make it happen. So let me give you some examples of how you can make this happen for both a very large staff and a small staff. For a bigger staff, you could plan that every second and fourth Friday of the month is craft time. Once you've pinpointed who needs what training, then have the other pairs work on the craft with the kids while you call the others aside one at a time and talk about their evaluations briefly. And I'm talking very briefly, five to 10 minutes about the things that they're about the things that they're doing well, the things that they're struggling with, and then let them ask questions. Give them the opportunity to talk with you and show them how important they are to your department. If you have several staff members who need the same training and this training is going to take longer than the five to 10 minutes, you could talk to your administration about getting covers for them for an hour or 30 minutes. Or you could ask if they could be paid for a short training session after school, or you could put on a movie for a little bit and and provide some training in the back of the room. For a small staff, turn on Coco Melon for 30 minutes and pull your para back to the back of the classroom so that you can still see the students, but you have the privacy to talk about something that they need help with. Whatever it is, and however you do it, you're going to have to find a way to figure out what your paras need trained on, and then find a way to get them the training that they need. And the last thing I want you to do in the new year is to expect mistakes. You know, we're human. We are perfectly flawed humans. And just like we all have our own strengths and weaknesses, we also are all going to make mistakes. I cannot tell you how many mistakes I've made as a special education teacher. And if I'm making mistakes after having six to seven years of instruction in college on how to be a special educator, then how can I expect my parents who have little to no college experience at all, much less instruction within the actual field of special education, and who have never been trained on how to work with students with disabilities, how can I expect them to not make mistakes? 
So if you know ahead of time that there are going to be mistakes, then you can use those mistakes as learning opportunities for your staff. Now, I do have some rules when it comes to making mistakes. Rule number one is that they will make these mistakes in a safe, respectful environment. They should never be made to feel bad for something that has gone wrong. The second rule is that you should never call out their error in front of a child. If they are teaching a child how to add decimals wrong, for example, if the mistake that they're making is instructional, then just stop the lesson and have the child move to a different activity and then provide them with a mini lesson on how to do that skill. If they are speaking to a child in a manner in which you do not approve of, then afterwards, not during, after the incident, quickly remind them of the expectation that we speak to students in an appropriate tone of voice and talk through the situation with them. You want to make sure that they know that you saw it and that you want to help them find a better way, but don't do this in front of the kids. And rule number three is don't call them out for something in front of another adult, including another paraprofessional. This is just rude and embarrassing and hurtful, and there's no reason for it. And I think that I hate this one so much because I harbor some negative feelings because this happened to me. I was a second or third year teacher and I had an assistant principal at the time who loudly and intentionally reprimanded me in front of another group of educators for something that she wasn't pleased with. And even to this day, that memory stings a little bit. So please don't ever correct an adult in front of others and always do so in a kind manner. So there you have it, four ways to help set your team up for success during the new year or really any time of the year. By putting these things into action immediately, you will begin to build a stronger, more cohesive team for your staff. Thank you for sticking with me until the end. I can tell just by listening to this show that you are just as dedicated to the field of special education as I am, and you want to grow into an amazing educator. And I'm here for it. I'm here for you, and I am so thrilled to be able to share all of my wisdom of being a veteran SPED teacher on the SPED Prep Academy podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast and want to share it with friends, go ahead and screenshot an image of your favorite episode and tag me on Instagram. You can also subscribe to the show and leave a five-star review. They give an instant boost to my ego, and they help others find the podcast as well. And then make sure you're following me on Instagram. I love to use that platform to add a little humor to our crazy days, as well as to provide you with motivation to get through the tough days, training on all sorts of topics that we need to know, and just overall support for what you do. You can find me on Instagram at Sped Prep Academy, and I've recently got into making some reels. They are way out of my comfort zone, but they are so fun to make. So make sure you check that out. If you liked what you heard today and realized you have found your SPED soulmate, please subscribe and then head over to spedprepacademy.com slash podcast to check out the show notes and sign up to be notified each time a new episode airs. Go out and have an amazing day and I'll catch you on the next episode.